All right. If you have your Bible, open with me tonight to the book of somewhere. Oh, I'll tell you, it's all good. Somebody said that's right. First Corinthians. We'll start there, First Corinthians. And I don't know where we'll end up. Uh, thank you for inviting me to come. And, and uh, boy, it's been a joy. And I appreciate it so much. And always good to come back to faith. And, uh, and we went out to lunch today, and uh, it turned into um, a leper. Uh, we had, we had <coughs> a late lunch, uh, or we got in the restaurant on time, but it just got later and later and later and later and later, and, later, and so we ended up eating supper. But... Um, and then I run back and was going to get a little nap, but didn't have time. And, uh, and I got sick, something I ate at lunch. And uh, well, we were late getting here, got turned on the back road somehow and got lost. And so Ms. Nancy said we'd be here at 10 till. We didn't get here until 5 till. So I was worried about that. And then I got a little sick sitting here on the platform. So you pray that I'll be able to finish this message. I think I have the strength to go at least an hour, but I'll, I'll try and see if I do. Thank you, veterans. I'm, I'm proud to be a veteran. I um, uh, served uh, in, uh, for three years in the United States Army and uh, was in the country of Thailand during the Vietnam era. And uh, I loved the military. I would have stayed in the military except for one reason, and I missed my family and being gone from them a year or so at a time. And uh, we forget the families of veterans. I think the greatest price is not what the veteran pays, it's what his family pays. Uh, is a tremendous price. They're left for weeks, months, years at a time while their husbands or wives go off to serve and and they're certainly to be commended for, for their faithfulness, and, and I appreciate them. And uh, I served at Federal, North Carolina as a pastor there for seven years and, and got to rub shoulders with some of the best guys I know. And uh, most of them were paratroopers. I do not know what would possess a man's mind to jump out of a perfectly good airplane, but... Uh, <laughs> As one fellow said to me, he missed church, and he said, we had a jump Sunday, and it was a night jump. And he said, I don't like to jump at night. I said, if I was jumping, all my jumps would be at night. <laughs> I would close my eyes for sure. But I appreciate those who have done that and gone before me, and, and, uh, and I appreciate them. I appreciate services like this, and, and uh, what a joy it is. I had to slip out because I was sick a little and, uh, and missed the color coming in. Uh, but I don't want to miss saying this. Every time I see the flag flying, something stirs in my heart and I want to go out and burn a hippie. <laughs> uh, some of you will remember that back in the 60s and the anti-establishment group and the hippies were burning flags and protesting all over the country and 
And in fact, we guys coming back in from Asia and uh, had to, didn't tell us not to wear our uniforms because we wouldn't be received well. I'm glad that era has gone, and I believe there's more respect paid to the veterans today than there were back then. But uh, but I appreciate them so very much. I my medical uh, condition, my medical care is taken care of by the veterans. Though I didn't serve uh, 20 years, uh, I still use the veterans as my medical care. And I would say this before God and from this pulpit, that uh, they have treated me like a king. I have, no, I have no complaints against my veterans' care. I've had two surgeries, a heart stent, and, and my primary care doctor. And I have nothing but just acclimates of praise to the veterans' uh, health care system. I know it's got its flaws, and I know some have had those, and I understand that, but my own experience since 1998 has been one to which I can praise uh, those who serve our veterans. So I get to see them. Uh, often I'm in the office there getting my blood checked about every four to six weeks uh, because I have aphia, but so I get to see the veterans, and they're there in the waiting room, and so uh, I appreciate the sacrifices they made that certainly far exceeded any sacrifices which uh, I have made, and and I appreciate them so very, very much. And some of the men that I served with or went to basic training with lost their lives in Vietnam, and, and certainly I lost a part of me uh, with them. But uh, I appreciate, again, services like this. I'm proud to be an American. I am proud to be an American. I have always been proud uh, to be an American. And when I traveled, I started traveling overseas in the ministry, I was proud to have an American passport and to be able to show that. And we went into different countries, and, and people would come as we preached in different places, and they would come to the services just to see an American. And they said, we just came, just we'd never seen an American. And so they came, and, and, and everybody applauded America. And certainly, I don't want to take anything away tonight from what God has done in and through America. Amen. And it has been God who's done that very thing. It was God who raised us up as a nation. And uh, we certainly don't want to forget that in any way. I got some quotes here that, and the preacher used one, but George Washington said this, it is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. That was our first president of the United States recognizing that God was the one who raised up America. Abraham Lincoln, who served as president during a very critical time in our nation when it could have been torn apart and was torn apart. I don't know if you realize it or not, but all the wars combined did not have as many casualties as the Civil War. Over 600,000 men were casualties during the Civil War, both on the Union and Confederate side. And Abraham Lincoln said this, I believe the Bible is the best gift God has ever given to man. All the good from the Savior of the world is communicated to us through this book. I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. That was a president of the United States of America. Now you can understand what has made us great. 
that philosopher who said, if we cease to be good, we will cease to be great. And we were only good because God made us good. Not because in erred in us is goodness, but because we were a nation of God-fearing people, godly people with godly morality. And um, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, but I was raised in a society where there were morals, where there were absolutes, where there were lines uh, that were of right and wrong. And uh, those came out of the laws of our land. And those came out of the laws of God. And they came through the mind and heart of men who dedicated themselves to be a part of raising up a nation that would, uh, would uh, honor and glorify the God of heaven. Not all gods, but the God of heaven. Daniel Webster said, if we abide by the principles taught in the Bible, our country will prosper. But if we and our posterity neglect the instructions and authority of this book, no man can tell how sudden a catastrophe may overtake us and bury our glory in profound obscurity. Can I read that statement again? Because I believe that we are at a crucial time in the history of this nation and the history of the world. It says, if we abide by the principles taught in the Bible, our country will prosper. It has. There is no doubt about the prosperity of America. No doubt about it in the world. We are the, did you know the poorest in this room tonight are in the one percentile of the richest uh, people uh, of the world? I'm going to tell you, most of the world's in poverty today. Most of the world is far, far, far behind America in prosperity. I've been there, I've seen it. But he said, our country will prosper. But if we in our posterity, Neglect the instruction and authority. He understood who was in control and who was the divine authority. In this book, no man can tell how sudden a catastrophe may overtake us and bury our glory in profound obscurity. Can I tell you, if America fails... And I do believe we're falling, but it will not be the fault of our soldiers. It will not be the fault of our military. They are some of the best men in all the world. Proud men, men, as has already been noted, who've sacrificed much to give us the freedoms that we have today. If we fail, it will not be because uh, we were not given a foundation upon which we could stand. It will be because we let it drop. And we forgot to abide, to continually abide by the authority of God's word as a rule and practice for our lives. In our power, is our power and glory gone because we have neglected the practice, its instructions, and its correction? Someone else has said, uh, author I do not know, those who find the most difficulties in the Bible are those who seldom read it. And men do not reject the Bible because it contradicts itself, but because it contradicts men. Amen. I say that is so true today. 
If we were to go over all of our history, time would not allow us to list the great accomplishments of America. Did you know that America, since its founding, has led the world in almost every endeavor, no matter whether it be science or, or, or economics or whether it be morality, America has set the pace for the rest of the world to follow. But that is quickly dying out. We not only have set the pace for good and right and, uh, and honesty and integrity, but we've also now become the leader in pornography and sin and crime and disorder. And we are falling apart at the seams because, why? We've forgotten the Bible and God's holy word. We have. Listen to my statement I wrote some years ago, not knowing that it would be here, but I wrote this statement. The answer to life's problems. This world is full of problems. Would you say amen to that? Lives are lonely and broken. This world is full of these problems. Men are on the sea of speculation without any anchor for their sails or their souls. Homes are broken and the pieces scattered yet further. Youth have lost its sense of purpose and direction. Death is more appealing than life to many. Depression is commonplace and joy is obsolete. Society is without adequate leadership and nations have no idea how to solve their problems. We, the people of this world, stand on the threshold of total confusion and chaos. Sin abounds at wholesale prices. Only when acquired leaves us bankrupt and without anything. World leaders are in search of a system. Religions are in search of a new program. Churches are in search of a new flair or a new favor. Parents are in search of a counselor. Children are in search of a purpose. Husband and wives are in search of new relationships. But none seem to know where to search. Many are looking under the rocks of worldly wisdom only to find nothing but dampness and defeat. Many are looking to the mountaintops of materialism only to find more madness and less meaning. Many are looking to the parade of pleasures only to find pitiful plight and a pig pen lifestyle. Many are looking to the right of religion only to find failure and frustration. But all with all the searching, there seems to be few who find the peace and purpose of real life. We're living in a sad time in America. America is a sad nation. Our young people are sad. More suicides today among young people than any other age group. When there is no hope in the youth, there will be no tomorrow. Can I say that again? When there is no hope within the youth, there will be no tomorrow for our nation. Motherhood has gone lacking. More, when I was a boy, I was raised in a lost home. I didn't know the Lord. I had a barnyard mentality. had a barnyard vocabulary. Uh, and, and I was raised that way. But may I say this? Uh, womanhood was still pure and sound. 
I don't mean that they're not evil women, but my mama would warn me. She'd say, don't you go down the road there where those girls are because they're a bunch of hussies. Well, most people don't know what hussies are, but, but uh, uh, today, but anyway, uh, there was a morality. There was a dividing line. There was rights and there was wrongs. Even though my mama didn't know the Lord and my father didn't know the Lord, there was a sense of morality in our land. There was a sense of right and wrong. There was a sense of good and bad. There was clear signs. There was black and white. There was no blurring of gray to that which was right or wrong. There was a moral standard that we inherited from our forefathers that came from the word of the living God. And... uh, But morality cannot exist apart from authority. Morality cannot exist apart from an absolute. There must be an absolute. If there is no absolute, there can be no morality. If there's no line to which is absolute, then morality wavers like a ship on a sea that's tossed back and forth by every wind that comes along. But the reason there was a moral society when I was a boy and before me and before others, that morality was passed on. The first prayer I ever heard was from a school teacher in a public school. And uh, when it came down, uh, while I was in high school, the Supreme Court said, you can't pray in school anymore. And Ms. Munn would say, now, boys and girls, Ms. Munn's going to pray. I can't make you pray. You don't have to participate in this prayer, but Ms. Munn's going to pray. And when she got through praying, all of heaven was showed up, and hell got hotter, and heaven got sweeter. And I didn't know what praying was, but I knew one thing. That woman had been in touch with God. But there was absolutes. There was absolutes. And yet now we see there are no absolutes. Nothing is right and nothing is wrong and everything is gray. And we live in this era of relativism in which is something's right for you, but it's not right for me. And it may be wrong for you, but it's not wrong for me. If I want to be an animal, if I want to be a woman, I want to be a cat, I want to be a dog, uh, I can be whatever I want to be and that's right for me and you have no right to say anything about it. May I say that's stupidity. That's absolutely asinine. That's the most, that's, that's, I won't go with any more words to that uh, because we teach our children not to say that somebody is dumb. But, but I mean, it's just absolutely. Now, I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just telling you we've lost the line of absolute. We've lost it. There is nothing. And that's why we're mad today. Can you imagine driving on a highway without any lines? Can you imagine driving on our roads without any stop signs or speed limits? Can you imagine? It's mad enough as it is. But if you took all law away, you took all absolutes away, it would be a terrible place and a terrible thing to have to do. And what's happened to us? We've moved the line of absolute. Well, see, absolutes can only resound or, or can only be found in God Almighty. Absolutes can only be found in God. God is the only thing that is absolute. And morality that is drawn from God himself then gives us those absolutes, those lines to which we can mark our progress, or if you will, our failure can be marked back to the absolute. And if we remove the absolute, then nobody knows where they are. 
Nobody knows what is right. Nobody, nobody knows which way to go. And so we're floundering and it becomes king in the mountain and ever who's in charge dictates the morality to everybody else and nobody knows what is right and everything is constant changing. No wonder that people are committing suicide at unprecedented rates. If we're told and trained that we came from animals and we came from nowhere, going to nowhere, we evolved from some kind of animal or some force back yonder that we did not know and we grew up to believe that, then why not die? Because we're going to nowhere and nothing is better than what we have here with the confusion and chaos that's in the world today. But I submit to you, there are absolutes. I submit to you that God is still God. I submit to you that God is still on the throne. And I submit to you that America can be great, but only if it returns to God. Now, let me say that again. America can continue to be great, but only if it returns to God. And nobody with one eye and a half sense, as my mother used to say, can believe that America is a God-fearing nation anymore. We are not a God-fearing nation from our top down in our education system, in our political system, in our economic system, in every imaginable system that we have. God has long since been ruled out. And therefore, we stand on the threshold of what this author said, a sudden catastrophe could overtake us. Did you know that in Bible prophecy, America, the United States of America, is not found in the last day. In fact, the Antichrist will rule the world politically, including the United States of America. Some scholars say it will have lost its purpose and meaning and become subservient to a higher or another power. I believe if we don't soon return to God, we're going to see that happen. So what do we do? Open your Bibles to this first book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. I really debated, was not planning to, to uh, uh, preach from this text tonight. But I think I, I believe God would have me to do that. While you hold your place there, to turn to Psalm. To the Psalms. I want to read quickly Psalm 1, 1 Corinthians 15, hold your place, Psalm 1. Blessed, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed means happy, full of meaning, and full of purpose. That's the opposite of what I've been describing. It means full of purpose. It means happy. It means content. It means victorious. He said, happy is the man who walketh not in the counsel of those that don't know God, the ungodly. In other words, he doesn't get his marching orders from those that don't know God. That's the man that's victorious. You know how to bring us back to God? Return to the counsel of God instead of the counsel of the world. Then he says, nor standeth in the way of sinners. That word standeth means to occupy that place of rebellion against God. He stands firm. Have you ever seen a child set his jaw? 
You don't have to sing the song. You get the message. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. My mama wouldn't move you. <laughs> you don't set that jaw. My wife used to say to my boys, look at me. And if they didn't look, she'd grab that chin. And when she snatched it a couple of times and the ears changed place, them eyes glued to her eyes and she had their attention. But I'm going to tell you, he said, blessed, victorious is the man who stops his rebellion against God. God's still the authority. God's still in control. God's still God of the universe. God, we will face God again one day. God will be there when all other things have gone and all nations have fallen and turned into the dust. The King of kings and Lord of lords will reign on this earth for a thousand years and those of us who know him will reign with him. Our God is still alive and well on planet earth and that God, blessed, victorious, is the man that stands in submission to Almighty God instead of rebellion against God. And then he says, and sitteth not in the seat of the scornful. Uh, That seat of the scornful, those who take pride in making light of God. Taking pride in making light of God. Someone said when the Soviets sent up Sputnik or whatever it was, and and some of those uh, uh, cosmonauts said, we looked out the windows and we did not see God. I heard an old preacher say one time, if they'd opened the door, they'd have met him. (laughs) Amen. I want to tell you, I'll tell you, I'm tired of people scoffing at my God and scorning my God and scorning this book and scorning the old-fashioned way. The Word of God is not old-fashioned. The Word of God's right. The Word of God, the Word of God is not immoral. It's moral. The Word of God is not moving, changing. It's absolute. It's inspired, preserved by God Almighty. God wrote it. God keeps it. And I'm going to tell you, one day we're going to count to God for it. He said, but if you want to be a victorious man, you want to have a victorious family you want to have a victorious nation then they must be a nation that fears God that's what made us great we had a fear of God Almighty my daddy was a heathen my daddy used God's name in vain Uh, he was a good man as far as working hard providing for his family but he just didn't know the Lord my daddy could out curse a sailor pardon me sailors I don't mean to imply but uh but, but I'll tell you something. When we went down to the country store, my daddy would say, boy, put your shirt on. There may be some women in that store. Amen? Amen. Right. And my daddy, I've heard him say many times, they'd be shooting pool back in the back of the store. And I've heard my daddy say, cut your filthy mouth out. There's a preacher coming in. He said, or a woman coming in. He said, just shut your mouth up. Don't be talking like that. Why? Because there was a fear of God. We've lost that fear of God today. We've lost it in every society. Some of the filthiest stuff I've ever heard now coming out of women's mouths. Young women's mouths who think it's proud to curse and be vulgar and, and, uh, and use words that only barnyard people use. And they think somehow it makes them big. May I say to you, it's a foolish person who doesn't walk in the counsel of God. A foolish person who doesn't stand in submission to God. It's a foolish person who is critical of God or God's what? If we're going to see revival in America, we must come back to the truth of God's Word. Now look at Psalm 19. Psalm 19. And I know we got a lot to do. I'm trying to hurry, but we need this. 
Hear me, we need this. Psalm 19, there are several, seven ways in which God describes His Word here. I want to show you what the Word of God does. In verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The soul there is the mind and heart and will. You're made up of a, a soul, mind, heart, and will. And you're made up of a body. And if you're saved, you're made up of a spirit. And that spirit is that part that communes with God. And the Bible says the word of God is perfect, converting the soul. In other words, that word conversion means changing the mind, changing the heart, changing the will. I'm going to tell you what we need is a good old dose of the word of God because the law of God will change our mind. The word of God will change our heart. The word of God will change our actions. The word of God is able to convert the soul and make us return back to that which was pure and holy and right and righteous, if you will. The Word of God will do it. Nothing else will do it. No, no resolution from the government will do it. And I'm going to tell you, no education will do it. But the Word of God is perfect and it converts the soul, changes the mind. I saw my cursing daddy bow his head and give his life to God and I never heard him say another curse word except one. He mashed his finger when I was working with him one day and he used a D word and tears rolled off his cheek. I never heard him use God's name again because the word of God is perfect. It changes the heart and it changes the soul of a man. I saw my mom and heard her say, don't pray that I'll be healed with, from cancer because cancer brought me into a closer relationship with my Lord than any I've ever known. And I don't want anything to take that away. My mom wouldn't have said that some years before. But she met the Word of God and the God of the Word and it changed her mind and changed her heart and changed her soul. And may I say it changed her destiny. And it can change America. The law of the Lord, into the testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. Boy, do we need some wisdom today, don't we? The Word of God will do it. And look at verse 8. The statutes of the Lord are right. Get this one. Rejoicing the heart. Rejoicing the heart. I like what preacher said one time. He said to one of his members, he said, uh, how you doing? And she said, well, I'm doing pretty good under circumstances. And he said, what are you doing under there? Hear me now. Too many Christians are, are moaning and groaning and, and they're disturbed and they're sad and they're broken and they don't know what to do and they don't know which way to turn. And, they, and most of it's about themselves. Most of it's because they've got something they want to get rid of or something they ain't got they want. Instead of giving honor and glory to God and saying praise be to God and you can sing a song in the night when you know the keeper of the night. The statutes of the Lord. And then he says, listen, they're pure, enlightening the eyes. It helps you see what's going on. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the judges of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying we just simply need to return to the Word of God. And returning to the Word of God will give us what we need. And help us give others what they need. First Corinthians, and I'll end this message. What do we really need? Well, we just need Jesus. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my ever longing and keeps me singing as I go. I went to Haiti 
hate these the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. And uh, boy, they don't have anything. And we were three hours from the nearest doctor. If you had a car and there were no cars, no electricity, there was no hospitals, no, no, no medication, no schools. And we were out in, the, in that area, didn't know we were coming. We showed up and a uh, pastor out there, he went to beating on a piece of steel hanging in a tree. And in about 20 minutes, over 100 people showed up. Dirt floor, little old tin, uh, old tin just tied to some saplings. Had a little kerosene lantern about that tall with a little bitty wick in it, just enough I could barely read. And they were, their language is French Creole. I don't know French nor Creole, much less French Creole. I don't even know, well, I know proper English, but not, not American English. I know Southern English. <laughs> I was preaching one time with a translator and I said something in southern, eastern North Carolina vernacular. He said, you're going to have to run that one by me again. <laughs> I'm not sure I got that one. But I didn't understand the language, but I'm going to tell you, I knew the heart. And they were singing, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Feels my ever longing. Keeps me singing as I go. They were happy not because they had concrete carpeted floors. They were happy not because they had medical care. They were happy not because they had cars or electricity. They were happy because they knew Jesus, the restorer of the joy to our soul. The answer to America is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And we get a good dose of Jesus, we can return the glory to America, if God will permit us. We certainly can, can't do it without him. Amen. But here in this passage, Paul said this. He's writing, closing out this book. And he said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. The first thing you need to know is that Jesus loved you enough to die for you and the Father loved you enough to let him. Amen. 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 Then Paul said not only that, but that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Paul said, and I told you how he died was buried in a barred tomb. Someone said it was awful for him to be buried in a barred tomb. I like what Shadrach, Meshach, Lostridge, the great black preacher said of old. He said uh, when somebody was critical of the barred tomb, he said it's all right because he didn't need it, but for three days they could have it back. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. And it said he was buried <coughs> in verse 5 and that he was seen of, I mean, of verse 4. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. I want to tell you, Jesus is alive and well. He's seated on the right hand of the Father. He's already paid the price for my sins and for your sins. He's paid the price good enough to cure and heal and cleanse and save the worst infidel in the world, the worst immoral person in the world, the worst pervert in the world, the worst agnostic person in the world, the most moral person in the world. Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood and it's sufficient for all men everywhere to be born again by the power of God. Jesus is alive and well. But I'll tell you something else according to the scriptures. He's coming again and it won't be long, my friend. 
The Bible says in the book of Peter, he said the day of the Lord will come. The day of the Lord will come. Hear me now, the day of the Lord will come. Hear me now, the day of the Lord will come. There is a last day when this whole world is going to end and the political system of this world, including America, will lie in the dust when the King of Kings breaks open the eastern sky and the church of God is raptured out. And seven years later, the king establishes his crown on the very spot in Jerusalem and will rule the world for a thousand years. I'm going to tell you, he's coming again. And the Bible says, comfort one another with these words. Jesus is coming. I was trying to obey that scripture and when I was in Bible college working in a grocery store and inflation had come and they would marked the prices up and up and up and up and up and it was a mess and, and a lady came through and I was young. I was trying to encourage her. She's complaining uh, at the grocery line and about the prices and when she got up there, I said, ma'am, it's okay. I said, Jesus is coming. I'll never forget it. I can see her face right now. She said, young man, I'll tell you one thing. It'll take somebody of his caliber to straighten this mess out. (laughs) But glory to God, I'm going to tell you, there's somebody of his caliber, and when he gets here, he's going to straighten it all out. Glory to God. I'm glad I'm on the winning side. He's coming again. He said, comfort one another with these words. And then he said, Peter said, Therefore, knowing the Lord, knowing these days are going to come, Peter said, I want to ask you a question and give you the answer. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Peter said, in light of these truths, that we can't be a great nation right on unless we return to God. The truth is, we can't have sound homes unless we return them to God. We can't have sound marriages unless we return to God. We can't have strong churches unless we stay true to God Almighty. But the question is, are you ready to meet him when he comes? I'm going to tell you, you better get right for he's coming and he's coming soon. And if you don't receive him, then hell's going to be hot and it's going to burn forever and forever and forever. And you say, well, I ain't never done anything bad. Let me tell you something. You're worse than the worst. You're lower than the lowest. When God sights, you don't stand a chance. We can't measure up to his holiness. But I'm telling you in authority, God's word, that Jesus Christ get in the scales with you and it'll balance out. And God will say, well done. And he'll welcome you home. But without him, you don't have a chance. What's the hope for America? Return to the Word of God, but more return to the God of the Word and give Him our hearts and minds and souls and say by the grace of God, Lord, thank You for being willing to save a wretch like me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. A woman in my church said in that the book of Hebrews, I was teaching through it, and she said that verse is translated, God, Jesus saves to the uttermost. She said, that's mistranslated. When somebody says that to me, I get alarmed because there ain't nothing in it mistranslated. You just stay with the old King James Version. It's the only one that's been preserved, so you, you got a bad one. Somebody said, well, I want something that'll take me further. I just want the King James to get me to heaven, and I'm getting off there. <laughs> Glory to God, you can have the rest of it. I said, well, how should it be translated? She said it should be translated, and God saved from the guttermost. Yeah. 
Because she said, that's where he found me. I was in the gutter and he reached down in the filth of the gutter and picked me up and set my feet on the solid rock and brought me out of the miry clay. And she said, it ought to be translated. He's a God that saves from the gutter. And I'm going to tell you, he can save and change your life and make you whole again. I can't make America be what she ought to be, but I can be what I ought to be. And if I'm what I ought to be, and you what you ought to be, and you're what you ought to be because we give allegiance to God Almighty, then our country will be better for it, and we'll be able to get in touch with heaven and cry out to God to have mercy on us and have mercy on us soon, Lord. But if you don't know the Lord tonight, then you don't know that peace. You don't know that authority. You don't know that absolute. And your life is going to, listen to me, look at me. If you don't know the Lord, your life is going to continue to go down and down and down. And as the old saying is, you ain't seen nothing yet. You can seek to the lowest of low. You can wake up one morning like the, like the prodigal and you'll be in a pig pen and wonder how you got there. And then if you come to your senses, you'll say, it's my fault that I'm here. Or you'll wake up like Lot and his children's burned up in Sodom and Gomorrah. He's committing incest with his other two daughters and his wife's a pillar of salt. And all because he refused to yield to God and do things God's way. And I'm going to tell you tonight, you can get right with God Almighty. You can come to this old altar and say, God, save my soul change my life or you can go on in your rebellion and walk out the door and thumb your nose at God and go on down 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 because without God there's no way but down you don't have to do it tonight you can come to the Lord and I pray that you will let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed let's ask God to do something for us tonight Listen, I don't know if you're here and you're lost, but you need the Savior. If you're saved tonight, there are things in your life ought not to be. You need the Savior to clean you up and, and, uh, and restore you back to your soundness. And so you need to do what God would have you to do tonight. I wonder if you're here and you're not no one looking around. You say, preacher, pray for me. I need, I need the Lord. I really need the Lord to help me. Preacher, pray for me. Lift your hand up all over. Nobody's looking but me and the Lord. Would you just lift your hand high? I see it. Is this somebody else? Say, Preacher, I need the Lord. I want to be right with the Lord. I want to go out with the peace of God in my soul. Would you do that? People are already coming. This altar's already filling up. Musicians, you begin to play, if you will. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Come on and give your heart to Christ. Take your maid by the hand and say, let's go to the altar. Make our marriage sound again. Take your family under your arms and bring them around an old-fashioned altar and say, we want to get our family right with God. Listen, will you come tonight quickly? Quickly, all over the building. I want America to be great again. Then start on this altar saying, God, cleanse my heart and restore my soul so that I can intercede for our nation. Would you come right now? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. God's doing the work. Holy Spirit's chewing at your soul. He's convicting you, shaking you in your boots right now. Some of you holding on to the back of the pew in front of you to keep from yielding to God. Why don't you just turn loose and let God have His way. If you'll take the first step, He'll do all the rest for you. If you'll just come tonight and say, I want to be right with God. Some of you teenagers are going to waste your life on nothing. On nothing, I tell you. You're going to waste your life on this whole world when you get to the end of it. You're going to have nothing to show for it. When God's saying to you young people, I want your life. I want it to count 
for me. I want you to serve me. I want to give you a victorious home, a victorious marriage, a victorious purpose in life. Why don't you come this morning, this evening and say, Lord, here am I. I want you to use me. I'm just a teenager. I'm just a young person. I'm just a junior. But God, I want you to use me. Will you come right now while we tarry? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Some of you, listen, some of you are running from God and you know you're running from Him. You're running from His call. You're running from His purpose. You're running from His will for your life. And you're running just as hard as you can. I want to tell you something, when you get out to the end of the chain, it ain't going to be pretty. But now God has given you this opportunity to say, Lord, I come. I want to come back, walk beside you. I don't want to run ahead of you. I want to walk beside you, Lord. Will you come right now while we tarry? just a few minutes longer will you come and join us if you need somebody to pray with you around this altar would you lift your hand we'll see it and somebody will go to you and pray with you they won't embarrass you they'll just pray with you anybody anybody praise God Father in heaven thank you for your great spirit thank you Lord for doing for us what we need done thank you for America and all those who paid a price to make her great but dear God it was you that made it great It was your power and your strength and your wisdom and your providence that guided our forefathers to plant a nation upon this country, a nation that would bring you glory and honor, that would send more missionaries out around the world and all nations put together. And God has stood as a beacon of hope for the world. But we've lost our light. We've lost our glory. We've lost our meaning and purpose because we've turned our back on you, Lord. And we repent tonight and we ask you as a nation to forgive us and help us today to be what we ought to be and begin right here in my heart and soul and with those that are in this service and especially those upon this altar tonight. And we'll give you praise and glory for it all. In Jesus' name we ask it. Pastor, would you come?